everybody. Welcome to episode 219 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at a trio of ADP scenarios where both things can't be true. And that, that's the premise of this episode, looking at some players where, you know, it's like a player A is going at this cost and player B is going at this cost, something ain't adding up. And we're going to get to the bottom of these mysteries, if you will. But before we do, I feel like, Joe, you've been holding back lately, like you've had something on your mind that you wanted to <laughs> to let loose on, on the podcast. So the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, so Ben and I live together now for everybody that doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So we'd be podcasting in the same house, chilling, booling. You know, Yo, doing what we do, shooting the vibes. shit. There's also a ping pong table at this house. And Ben and I play ping pong quite a bit. Ben is of the thinking that, like, he's on my level in terms of ping pong skill, which is just absolutely unequivocally not true. Ben is nowhere near the level that I am at ping pong, which is shown by our record where, you know, he's only beaten me probably a handful of times and I've beaten him at least 20 plus times. And I I think you have a a challenge for me that you want to to put out to the world. I I don't know. I do. I do. I have a multi-sport challenge for you. But first of all, we just have to address what you just said. All right. You're not Ma Long who is apparently the greatest ping pong player of all time, according to Google. And that's what you think. You think you're Mr. Long over there, but you're not. Okay. No, I just think I'm better than you. You're a predatory ping pong player where <laughs> as you, you wait until I have a couple drinks, maybe smoke something. And then you're like, yo, you want to run? It's like, okay, buddy. Sure. Yeah. Because I'm always there for the smoke. That's one thing is like, I am always there for the smoke, you know, morning, afternoon, late nights. I'm down with it. But I would say that if you separated our record uh, for sober Ben versus intoxicated Ben, it's like 45-55, like maybe 49-51, no. honestly. It's it's definitely 75-25. Like you'll win one out of every four games. So you're definitely at 25%, whether you're sober or not. But the thing is, is like, you know, when we're playing, like I can't help if, if you've had a couple drinks or a couple joints. That's not on me. No, that's on not. you. You're, you're, you're still accepting the challenge. I just play whoever wants to play. It is what it is at the, at the end of the day. It is. Listen, what I want to do is, is, you know, put this on film through a multi-sport tournament. You and I, you know, we can put some money up. You know, it can be a real challenge. And just off the top of my head, I mean, there's a, we got a lot of games in this house. This is an interesting house. We got ping pong. We got tiki toss. We got cornhole. We got Madden. Uh, we're going to go play football next week at an indoor field. I'm going to absolutely blow by you. It's going to be completely embarrassing. I'm going to have you have your ankles broke. We could play basketball 1v1. I'm thinking that we just set up, you know, six or seven games and put this together for some content and figure out who is truly the dominant one when it comes to these pseudo sports. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even capping when I when I'm saying this, okay? And you know, maybe this will come off the wrong way. Maybe people will think like, <laughs> "Damn, this motherfucker is he's one cocky bastard." You're just not beating me in any of these. Period. Like, any of these? Any. Like you're not like it's already established like you're not beating me in ping pong, tiki toss, who knows. Maybe maybe you get me in that. 
but you're not beating me in basketball. You're not beating me in football. You're definitely not beating me in Madden. That's 100% <laughs> guaranteed. Cornhole, absolutely, unequivocally, no shot. So, yeah, I mean, we can make this a series, a challenge. We can get it cracking whenever and just know I'm always there for the smoke and I just know that I'm better. It's just that simple. Like, maybe maybe I, I am way too cocky for, for somebody in my position, but I don't give a fuck. I mean, you d- you're definitely too cocky as somebody who's like an underdog in at least four of these. <laughs> so. <laughs> four? <laughs> yeah, four. Basketball, okay, tiki toss, cornhole, and then stop football. It. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop the fucking cap. I mean, I'm elite at cornhole, and I'm definitely, I definitely got you locked in basketball. I mean, lo- just look at our record over the last two weeks. It's, it's written in stone. All right, the this is going on a little too long here. So the last thing I will say, yeah, you have beat us, but you also have the best player on the court on your team, and I have a guy who can't even make a layup. Wow. Okay. But just in terms of this whole basketball, you know, session that we've started as as a group of friends, I'm definitely second in points. I've definitely scored more than you. And I know in a 1v1, like, you're just not beating me, period. Get the keys. Get the ball. Let's go. Fuck the pod. <laughs> Fuck the We're pod. Going, let's just end going it here. to play basketball. Not even talk about football. No. All right. But let's move on. Talk some fantasy football. I guess that's what people tune in for, right? So. <laughs> Both things can't be true. And the first situation that I want to start off with here, I think is the most obvious one. And it's the one that I have the most difficulty navigating. And it's the Cowboys backfield. Okay, so Ezekiel Elliott is going as the running back 16. His ADP on underdog is 41.3. Tony Pollard is going at 89.5 as the running back 29. And I just don't see how... Zeke can pay off his value if Pollard is paying off his value because Tony Pollard is getting drafted not like a strift uh, handcuff. You know, mm-hmm. if, if he were strictly getting drafted as Zeke injury insurance, he would be going, what, 40 picks later where Alexander yeah. Madison is going, 60 picks later where Daryl Henderson is going. He's not being drafted that way. He's being drafted with the expectation that his role is going to expand, that he will be taking significant snaps on the offense regardless of Zeke's status. And if that is the case, then how is Zeke Elliott going to be paying off mid-range RB2 value, especially in comparison to the wide receivers he's going around guys like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Terry McLaurin, etc. Can you make this make any sense to me? Yeah, I mean, I think that Tony Pollard, like you mentioned, is definitely being drafted as a standalone value running back. He's not being drafted as a handcuff. He's being drafted as an A.J. Dillon. Like, you know he's going to get touches. You know he's going to be out there, and you know he's going to score points, but has a running back in front of him that is the presumed workhorse. But I would agree that Zeke is probably a little too high if Tony Pollard is an eighth round pick. And I think it's just because if Tony Pollard is out there and he's eating, he's just taking away from Zeke's workload and Zeke's potential ceiling. But obviously the opportunity could be there for both of them. And it's definitely not impossible for both running backs to produce in fantasy on one of the better offenses in the NFL. Uh, we, we've seen it before, but I think Zeke, who's entrenched in the middle of the running back dead zone is probably just one of the worst picks you can make in best ball just from a value perspective in terms of the players that he's going around just from the perspective of Tony Pollard is behind him who a lot of people seem to think Pollard is better than Zeke at this point in their careers I I think that 
I'm on the fade Zeke and, and buy Tony Pollard train in the eighth round. And in our last draft, I drafted Tony Pollard 88th overall, a little bit above ADP. Yeah, I, I love Pollard. I mean, I think that you know, he can pay off that value because of a Zeke injury, but I think that he could overtake Zeke to a certain extent. Maybe not fully, but I think that there's definitely just a chance that, you know, without Amari Cooper there, without Michael Gallup for the first part of the season, they're going to have to lean on what explosiveness they have in the offense. And is that going to come from a second round rookie? Is that going to come from James Washington? Or could it come from Tony Pollard, who is arguably the second most explosive player on that offense behind CeeDee Lamb as far as yeah. pass catchers go? So I, I don't know. I, I really like Pollard. Pollard this year. I've drafted a ton of them and I'm off Zeke. I think that if Pollard is paying off this value, like you seem to expect him to, and like I do expect him to, then Zeke is being overdrafted. And and that's just the way it is. And and it's tough because this is the cheapest offseason price we've ever had for Zeke going as an RB16. I mean, God, he was like a, a first round pick last year, but I still feel like I can't be in on Zeke at, at that price. No, I can't be in on Zeke either. I just think that the ceiling is probably the lowest it's ever been with him. And I think we see like a, a 55-45 split. And if Pollard works his way up and makes it like a complete 50-50, really the only way Zeke is getting there through is through touchdowns, which I, I kind of just don't want to bank on. So Zeke, round four, middle of the running back dead zone, going around players like Allen Robinson, you know, Jerry Judy, Justin Herbert, Darren Waller, Hollywood. It's a no-go for me personally. Yep. No, I, I agree with that. I'm, I'm almost always hammering receiver in that range let's talk about another duo of running backs this one is a little bit cheaper as Mm -hmm. a whole and it's the seattle seahawks where kenneth walker the second round rookie is going as the running back 28 his adp is 88 and then rashad penny is going as the running back 37 going at pick 116 the the thing about this is that i believe maybe one of these guys can pay off value but the fact of the matter is they added walker with high draft capital and this is a team that while i expect them to run the ball a lot i don't expect them to be extremely successful right this is Mm -hmm. a team with you know the offensive expectation just has to be so low i mean drew lock and geno smith quarterbacking this offense is absolutely disgusting and what's their upside like maybe acquiring baker mayfield like it's just not getting that much better no matter what happens with Seattle for the duration of the of the offseason. So two running backs with questionable pass catching upside on one of the worst teams going in the mid rounds, you know, rounds where you can still get premium, you know, wide receiver fours and and get your QB ones and, and get your stacks off. I think it's hard to justify either of their costs, but there's no way in hell that both of them are paying off value. I just don't see yeah. it. No, I'm right there with you for sure, especially with where they are going in drafts currently. I think ultimately how I would approach the situation is I would just take an extreme stance on one or, or the either. I'm going all in on Kenneth Walker and fading Penny or vice versa, right? I'm just taking just a very extreme stance about this backfield and hoping that I get it right in best ball um, is how I would go about this. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe you just grab 20% of each and hope that it works out. But I'd, I'd rather just capitalize on one of these guys potentially just taking over this entire backfield and, and delegating the other guy to, you know, the RB2 role, the backup role. But then again, like this is still a bottom four team in the NFL with a bottom two quarterback situation. I think it's the second worst behind the Atlanta Falcons currently. Really, man. I think Mariota would, is the best quarterback of the group. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably, but he's pretty bad himself, and we haven't seen him play in a while. 
Uh, Geno Smith, we, we saw him play last year. He was actually kind of solid. But either way, yeah, just a terrible situation for both running backs. And, you know, the consensus is that Kenneth Walker is the guy, which kind of makes me want to be in on Rashad Penny, especially after his end of last season and he's cheaper. But I also don't mind, you know, taking Walker. Um, And, and like I said, I would just pick which one I like the, the most and just hammer that guy and hope that I'm right. So right now you're leaning Penny for the value? I, I would probably lean Penny there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's definitely fair. And then of course, there's always the the Chris Carson thing, which is just sort of looming in the shadows. We don't yeah, know what his that boy's situation. Chalk. You think so? I mean, I know that you historically have been a Chris Carson guy, but you know, what we're hearing is not necessarily encouraging. I mean, this week, uh, Pete Carroll said that he doesn't know, like, he's just like, I don't know what, what's going on with Chris, when he's going to be back, etc. Chris Carson spoke to the media for the first time this week in quite a bit of time. His quote was that we're still going right now. I see myself playing until I feel like stopping. My mindset is to never give up. So I'm staying positive and continuing to fight to get on the field, but then doubled down and said that he does not know the timeline for his own return. So if this is a three-headed backfield, then it, it, I wouldn't touch oh, any yeah. of them, but I, I, I'm of the mindset that it, it seems like it's pretty unlikely that Chris Carson is ready for the beginning of the year and he might be done, period. Yeah, it's definitely a situation to monitor as the offseason goes on. I Obviously, as an NFL player, he wants to continue playing and continue making millions of dollars. And when he's out there, he, he's been a good running back, right? Like, he's been a top 20 running back in the NFL. I mean, uh, he fought off Penny, who had essentially, you know, even better draft capital than than Walker. And, and Carson maintained that job fully for multiple yeah. years. Yeah, like, Carson was a good player. Uh, for sure, and a good running back. Just obviously an unfortunate neck injury could derail his career. And if he, you know, somehow does come back, which is definitely in the range, yeah, it's just a whole stay away situation from me because I think all three guys would see work. Uh, but if he doesn't, I think Penny is probably the guy that I would uh flag plant for this situation. All right, the final situation here where I, I just don't think that everything is is making sense in the story we're telling ourselves is the price of the Saints offense. And a lot of it comes down to Jameis Winston, who is going as the quarterback 20 right now. His ADP is about 157 on underdog. And it's just like, can he really be that cheap when the expectation around all the other skill position players for the Saints is so high? Alvin Kamara, you know, going in the first two rounds. Michael Thomas is a mid-round pick. He's going as the wide receiver 34. We have Chris Olave going as the wide receiver 48. And then we have Jarvis Landry going as the wide receiver 60. So all of these guys are being drafted with some decent capital. Jameis Winston is extremely cheap. So I feel like it's either multiple Saints pass catchers are going to disappoint or Jameis Winston is a stone cold value. And what it comes down to, I believe, is how we think this offense is going to run. Last season, this team ran the ball more than almost any other team in the league. They were right in the top five of rush attempts and they were in the bottom three in terms of pass attempts. And I just don't see this offense, you know, running the same way. Frankly, I think that if they want this team to be the best version of itself, it's going to be by reinstating a pass heavy attack and letting Jameis sling the ball which to me makes me lean on the side that Jameis is too cheap and that the Saints wide receivers are actually adequately priced and we should be a little bit higher on Jameis if, if we believe that to be true. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen Jameis 
have an elite ceiling before in the NFL. Obviously, different team, different situation, but a bunch of a bunch of good skill position players in New Orleans that are you know pretty costly. With Camaro being a second round pick, Michael Thomas is what like a sixth, seventh round pick. Chris Olave in that same range as, as Michael Thomas. So a lot of these guys are going to have to have good seasons to pay off. And obviously that will come from Jameis Winston. So I do agree that quarterback 20 is probably too cheap. And I think we see that change over the next couple weeks with, you know, Deshaun Watson dropping. I think I would I would firmly have Jameis Winston above some guys like Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, shit, maybe even like Tua and Kirk Cousins. Like I would have Winston, you know, on that fringe QB1, QB2 territory uh, personally, just with the weapons that they have, and if Kamara gets suspended, like, do you think they're going to run Mark Ingram 25 times a game? Absolutely like, not. No, they're they're going to put the ball in Winston's hands, and they made it a point. Like, they're, they're telling us with their actions what they want to do, and that's throw the football, period. Michael Thomas drafted Chris Olave, traded up for him, and went out and signed Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best three wide receiver sets in the NFL. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, and like you said, we've seen Jameis do it before he's coming off of an injury so he definitely has to get right in that sense but you know he was good last year too that's the thing like he he was good he led him to a five and two record didn't make many mistakes i'm pretty sure he had like 15 touchdowns or or something in like four picks no that that's uh that's correct he had 14 and three um yeah touchdown intercession ratio yeah he he was pretty good yeah i mean he got lasik he can see he's not the blind bomber anymore No, I, I do like Jameis, and just in terms of the guys going ahead of him, like if he's if he's at this price, I'm going to be buying, especially because I like the values of especially like Olave and Landry. So like it, it makes for an easy stack. Something that we've talked about lately, especially on some of our best ball streams, which we do every Sunday. You can check that out every Sunday at noon Eastern. But it's like you don't want to overload your stacks on some teams, but with teams where the the prices are so cheap, I mean, you could get Olave, Landry, Winston as as you know a double stack pretty affordably, and that's definitely yeah. an upside stack that I think I would want to target. I I absolutely believe that Jameis has back end quarterback one upside. Like yeah. he could easily have a better season than like Rogers, Carr, Kirk. Like it yeah. wouldn't shock me at all. So I I think that right now. We should really absolutely just be buying Jameis Winston at cost. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that he does have some sneaky rushing upside a little bit too. Like I, I watched a couple Saints games last year and he was willing to scramble. You know, that's I'm pretty sure that's how he tore his ACL was on a scramble. So mm-hmm. if he still has a little bit of mobility, um he could he can escape and get out the pocket and give you you know, 15, 20 rushing yards a game too. So a little bit of rushing upside with Winston, obviously not much, but in terms of just pure pocket passers, we see it every year that these guys kind of get undervalued a little bit and they can still hang with the top guys that, that run the ball uh, as well. Um, If they put up, you know, 303. So yeah, without it, I mean, like we're all, we're all like tripping over ourselves to get some exposure to Justin Fields rushing upside. But like, if we look at it a little bit zoomed out from just the perspective of like the bears offense versus the saints offense, it's not even close. Yeah. Not that's even why. close. I would have, I would have Winston above fields personally. Yeah. That's definitely a bold take, but it, it's one that I can fully get on board with. And I think that that is going to be it 
for episode 219 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey is at Joey Carrion DFS. We are pumping out content, best ball stream every Sunday, three pods a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on with the podcast and join our inner circle, the link to do so is via our free Discord channel. You can find the way to join that in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.